It is Thursday, November 4th here in Draft Truck Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 9 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smolin. Jared, got pushed back a little bit by family stuff today. We usually do this around noon, 1 o'clock Eastern time, but it's Thursday night. We're getting it in before the start of Jets Colts, just before the start, though. So anybody who's not watching us live right now is probably going to already have seen that game. Buffalo at Jacksonville to start the Sunday slate this week. The Bills by 14 and a half, up one from where it began, over under 48 and a half. And I mean, that says most of what we need to know about this game. On the Buffalo side, Cole Beasley did miss Wednesday's practice with a rib injury. He's coming off two straight big games. So, I mean, he's worth watching. Do we, we probably have a Thursday report on him now since we're reporting it, since we're doing this at night, right? I'm sure we do. I haven't uh, had a chance to, to look though. Um, you know, he, mm-hmm. Beasley finished out the game last week. I would expect him to be fine and probably getting some time off as a veteran. Um, yeah, he's been great the last two weeks. Again, we talked about last week. I think Dawson Knox being out, and it looks like he's going to miss again. That's good news for Beasley. It means Beasley's going to be on the field. Basically, every pa- passing play, that was the case last week. Um, I would go back to Emmanuel Sanders, too. I know he, he killed you if you started him with the, the goose egg. Saw four targets. Um, he was top 10 among all wide receivers last week in air yards. He had a deep ball that would have been like a long touchdown but Xavier Howard just barely got a fingertip on it to break it up. So I think Sanders will be fine. The Bills passing game should have a big one here. The Jags pass defense is very, very bad. Yeah, he's kind of getting Van Jefferson level targets. So you're going to get weeks where Emmanuel Sanders lets you down, but it's in an offense where he can hit any week. So I agree. Emmanuel Sanders at the right level certainly makes sense. He has only topped six targets twice in his seven games, but I mean, one of the few places where we'll take a six target guy and especially with a reliable veteran being that guy. Running backs didn't do a whole lot last week against Miami. The game, of course, was not as lopsided as the final score made it look, uh, and maybe that was part of it. There was not a whole lot of offense in the first half, and the Bills scored 16 in the fourth quarter, their final nine points in the last four minutes to make it look like it was a one-sided affair. For the game, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary split 15 carries near evenly, eight for Moss, seven for Singletary, but Moss got seven of the eight running back targets for Buffalo in that game and nearly doubled Devin Singletary's snap count. Yeah, Moss has been getting most of the passing down work for the past few weeks now. And, of course, he's still the, the better touchdown bet. So he, he's clearly the better play here. I think Singletary is in play as an RB3 or flex just because the matchup's so good and we expect the Bills to score so many points. But Moss is clearly the best fantasy play in, in the Bills' backfield right now. And mostly Devin Singletary's in play because there are just so few running backs that are actually attractive to use that it's some somebody's going to need to use Devin Singletary this week and feel okay about it. Exactly. Um, On the Jacksonville side, the biggest thing to watch, of course, is going to be James Robinson's heel to see if he's ready to play in the game. It's at least not as serious as it seemed like it might have been initially. So there does seem to be a decent chance he'll play. And, I mean, Carlos Hyde, who would be the starter if James Robinson's out, he was limited Wednesday with a calf issue. And I think this is probably totally (laughs) anecdotal and not backed up by anything, but it seems like over the past, you know, two, three years, any time where it's like, well, this is going to be Carlos Hyde's week because the starter's down. Of course, it was Chris Carson last week. Carlos Hyde's like, uh, sorry, I actually have this leg <laughs> thing too. You shouldn't rely on me. Yeah. yeah, well, Hyde was a full go today, and Robinson remained sidelined. So it looks like Hyde's going to actually be ready to you know start this game. He actually dominated work after Robinson left. You know, Robinson only played eight snaps last week. Hyde ended up playing 66% of Jacksonville's offensive snaps. He got nine of the 11 running back carries. Uh, Dari Ogwambale was the number two running back. 
last week. Um, but Hyde also got eight targets. Um, you know, he ran around in 62% of the pass play. So he kind of stepped into Robinson's role. I don't think Hyde's very good. The matchup is just about as bad as it could get. So I'm not excited about Hyde, but he does look like a decent bet for, you know, 15 or so touches. And I think, you know, that puts him in play if you need an option this week. Is it really ever fair to say that Carlos Hyde is a full go, no matter how healthy or not healthy he is? No. Yeah. So I, he's definitely a guy to consider for usage. Do not consider him a lock for the lineup. I would play him over Devin Singletary, assuming James Robinson's out. Yep. But, you know, I'm not going to be like, yes, Carlos Hyde's my savior this week. We'll talk about plenty of other running backs and maybe kind of compare Carlos Hyde to those guys uh, to see who's going into lineups. The Jacksonville pass offense, I mean, just don't overtrust anybody because they let us down at Seattle. I think Marvin Jones remains the top play, but it's not like a clear number one in terms of the targets he's getting. Third in targets last week, still 10 ahead everyone else for the season. But in the three games since DJ Chark went down, they've had three full games since then. Of course, he got injured in the very beginning of that Cincinnati game. We've had uh 19.5% target share for Jamal Agnew, 18.8% for Marvin Jones, and 18% for tight end Dan Arnold in that span. Yeah, Jones is still the guy I'd go to first. I mean, he's actually still 24th in our expected fantasy points per game among wide receivers over the past four weeks. So you know, he's still been getting decent usage. But again, I don't expect Jacksonville's offense to have much success here. So I'm not excited about Marvin Jones. Jamal Agnew is, you know, deep PPR play. There's not much upside, but, you know, he's a decent bet for, you know, four to six catches at this point. He's taken over as the, the slot receiver for the Jags. They have the Visca Chenault. On the outside, Chanel is just struggling on the outside. He's kind of miscast there. So I, I don't, don't think you can trust Chanel in lineups right now. And Dan Arnold, he's like, I mean, you downgrade him because of this matchup. I think for the rest of the season, he's like in the low end, tight end one mix, just based on the usage he's getting. We know the Jags can be playing from behind a lot. There's issues in the wide receiver core. So Arnold's you know, going to be one of the better volume bets week to week at tight end, I think, going forward. He's long-haired Mike Kosicki. Perfect. <laughs> LaVisca Chenault, by the way, 13.3% target share over those past three games without DJ Chark. So I agree. We can't use him right now. We'll see where things go. It's sad that Jamal Agnew has become LaVisca Chenault, but you know, that's where we are. Yep. New England at Carolina, the Patriots by four. It's up one and a half from where it opened. The over-under is 41. That's down two. And that's how you should feel about this game. It's not a great spot to look for fantasy value for the Patriots. Impressive victory at the Chargers last week. But Mac Jones threw for just 217 yards, no touchdowns, 18 of 35 passing. The Panthers are a negative passing matchup this week. I would like to not have to use any pieces here. You know, if you need somebody, Jacoby Myers remains a solid bet for target volume. Yeah, the Patriots actually opened the season near the top of the league in situation neutral pass rate. Over the last four weeks now, they're 31st in situation neutral pass. It's probably a, like a matchup thing. Like they've just wanted to run more against their recent opponents. They played the Chargers. Last week, we know they're a run funnel defense, but it's, it's been a run leaning offense lately that probably continues here, you know, with Carolina's quarterback issues. Um, so I'm not really interested in any of the passing game pieces here. You know, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry are, are low end starting options. Damian Harris, the best play. I, I'd, I'd be careful overrating Harris a bit. You know, the, the Patriots last four games have been against Houston, Dallas, the Jets and the Chargers, you know, the three of those teams rank 23rd or worse in football outsiders run defense rankings. It's been an easy schedule for Harris lately. He's still okay because he's getting the volume. He's getting the goal line work, but again, I, I don't think he's going to produce as well as he has for the past month going forward. And he's still light on receiving work. So that just makes his hold on production that much flimsier. Nice time to try to sell him coming off the touchdown streak. So I, I agree. Uh, usable for sure, but definitely not somebody to overtrust. And I mean, Hunter Henry, 
is really only relevant because of how weak tight end is at this point. Yeah. Three straight games now of two catches or fewer and less than 35 receiving yards. I wish that I had tried harder to sell Hunter Henry when he was in the midst of his touchdown streak that ended last week. Right. He was living on the touchdowns. Um, we also saw Johnu Smith eat into Henry's routes a bit last week. Henry's route was down to 65%. Not a great number. Um, Carolina has been pretty good against tight ends this season. Football outsiders has them third in tight end coverage. So again, Henry, um, an option, but again, he's, he's basically a TD or bust fantasy option at this point. He's, he's like fancy Kyle Rudolph for the Patriots right now. Yeah. On the Carolina side, let's hope that Christian McCaffrey's back because everything else looks pretty ugly uh, in the Carolina offense right now. Even DJ Moore is down to like wide receiver three level uh, weekly averages, five catches, 60 yards over the past four games because Sam Darnold's just been garbage. Yeah, Moore is 44th among wideouts in actual fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. He's still fourth in <clears throat> expected fantasy points. So the usage has been there. It's just Darnold's been so, so bad. I, I think it's going to be P.J. Walker this week. Darnold was limited uh, the first two days of practice with a concussion and a shoulder injury. Uh, the shoulder injury is uh, reportedly as big a, a concern as the concussion. Darnold's been bad. I still think Walker's probably a downgrade. You know, it's not it's not good news for the passing offense. I think you still probably start more as like a wide receiver, too. But, um, you know, we've, we've seen the floor the past few weeks now. Yeah, I mean, they pulled Sam Darnold at the Giants two weeks ago, and P.J. Walker went three of 14 <laughs> passing. So it's not like they have a closer in the bullpen and they start playing Hell's Bells when they bring him in. I, I do think that it would probably be better for everybody if Darnold doesn't play this week. You know, yeah. let him get healthier. Let him sit out maybe and just, I don't know, stop seeing ghosts when he comes back and, and give – people a chance to see that things would not be better with Philip PJ Walker in the lineup. But again, I hope that we get Christian McCaffrey back because it's tough to like anything else in a Panthers uniform right now. Yeah. Dar Darnold's downturn in play definitely coincided with Christian McCaffrey's injury. I don't think that's the entire issue, but I think getting McCaffrey back, it's obviously going to help the offense as a whole. Atlanta at new Orleans, the saints by six over under 42 here. Falcons offense stunk versus Carolina last week. And I mean, Calvin Ridley missing certainly didn't help, but that's not the whole thing because it did not stink nearly so bad against the Jets a few weeks before. The Carolina is better than the Jets, but still things are, things are bleak at the moment. They can certainly turn around quickly. The Saints this week, though, are even better on defense than Carolina is in all areas. Third and overall DVOA, fifth against the pass, second against the run. So if you're looking for a big Falcons rebound this week, you're going to be disappointed. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I would say Atlanta only ran 50 offensive snaps last week. Part of that was because they were so bad and they weren't holding on to the ball. Um, but that's also a super low number that you, you know you don't expect that to continue going forward. So that's going to help everyone involved. Really, it's just Kyle Pitts. And you, you stick with him. I mean, he he is the number one option in the passing game going forward for as long as Ridley is out. So volume and talent, you're playing him. And then, I, you know, Cordero Patterson is still in play. We saw Mike Davis get more run last week than he did the week prior. Um, you know, Patterson sco still, still scored. He's still, you know, getting it done in fantasy. And then Mike Davis, he now has uh, nine – he had nine carries and six targets last week. He had 13 carries and five targets in, in week five when Ridley was out. So his volume, I think, is going to be up for as long as Ridley is out. Um, not an exciting play, especially in this matchup. But, again, you know, we say that a lot, a lot of running backs are already tonight. Not an exciting play, but, you know, volume makes him an option if, if you're kind of desperate. Yeah, his usage last week was right back in line with most of the season. That four carry outing uh, where he played about 60% but barely touched the ball is really the outlier for his usage. Mike Davis not going to excite you any week, but he will usually get touches along the lines of what he got last week. 
I think I would probably take a shot on Carlos Hyde if he's starting for Jacksonville over yeah. Mike Davis, but they're in similar territory, I would say. Yeah, I'd, I'd play Hyde. I think he's a better touch bat than, than Mike Davis. And Kyle Pitts, by the way, is playing so well so far that Carolina was sicking uh, Stephon Gilmore, the you know new top corner yeah. that they just got on him in coverage. That's not somebody that you're usually <laughs> going to see covering a tight end. Pitts is basically playing wide receiver. Actually, I made that note here. Um, they know the Saints have been tough against tight ends, but they're actually 31st in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. But I, I think that's the number we should kind of be looking at when you know looking at the matchup for Kyle Pitts because he's he's running all his routes on the outside or in the slot. So uh, it might actually be a good matchup for Pitts, even though the you know tight end number says it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Tajay Sharp, before we get away from the Falcons, has five and six targets, four and five catches in the two games without Calvin Ridley so far. Not big numbers, but, you know, deep league, somebody to keep in mind maybe as like a you know, $3,000 option in DFS. Yeah, he, he looks like a better bet than Russell Gage right now if you're you know having to mess with these Falcons wideouts. Mm-hmm. Saints side. Uh, when I was first doing my notes, the question was, will Taysom Hill be back? Thursday afternoon answered that question. Taysom Hill is back. He is a definite pickup this week and might just be a top 12 fantasy quarterback the rest of the way. He was last year. He was much better than that even. He, he finished top 11 among quarterbacks in all four of his starts last season. It's funny too, two of those four starts came against Atlanta. So he's now going to have played Atlanta in three of his five starts. He finished quarterback three and quarterback seven against the Falcons last season. This this Falcons defense isn't any better. So um, we're still waiting for the Saints to officially name Hill the starter. Um, but assuming they do, I think you know he's he's a top 12 option this week. Yeah, if you think that you hate hearing Taysom Hill talked about so much, just imagine how the Falcons hear about feel about uh, seeing his face and hearing his name. Like, when will this guy go away? If I would be shocked if they start Trevor Simeon over Taysom Hill. But, uh, you know, we were shocked last year when it was Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. True. Otherwise, with New Orleans, it's really just Alvin Kamara. I mean, I think you can take a shot in some places on Mark Ingram. In a deep league, he got six of 25 running back carries last week in his first game with the team just a few days after the trade and two of six running back targets, which is, you know, a decent number considering the shares, you know, two targets versus four for Alvin Kamara in that game against Tampa Bay. Yeah, we expect the Saints to lean, I'd say, a lot more towards the run with Hill under center now. Hill's going to take a lot of those carries. I'm not sure the running backs are going to combine for, you know, more carries than they had been. So, yeah, Ingram is, a you know, a flyer. The matchup here helps. Kamara, I do think Kamara takes, takes a slight hit. With Taysom Hill, it doesn't really matter for season long. Like you're still starting him, but maybe he drops from you know RB three to RB seven the rest of the way because I do think the targets probably come down a tad. And Taysom Hill is going to steal some goal line stuff. Yeah, I'd worry more about the um, goal line touchdowns personally. I think that there just aren't that many options for throwing the ball to beyond Kamara where they have to incorporate. I mean, we heard in the summer too about how Winston and uh, Taysom Hill were trying to work with Alvin Kamara and building a connection because they they know there's not a whole lot else to go with here. Yes, for sure. Las Vegas at the New York Giants. Raiders by three over under at 46 and a half. Let's start Mm -hmm. with the Giants side because there are, as usual, plenty of injuries that we need to monitor. Saquon Barkley is up first. He's got the ankle sprain that we already needed to watch to see if it would be ready for him to return this week. And then we had the positive COVID test to start the week, a negative recheck. What's the (laughs) status of Saquon Barkley on the COVID list before we even get to the ankle? Yeah, he's still on the COVID list as of now. Um, he's getting tested again today and then again tomorrow. I, you know, he should be off it by Sunday, but if he had any chance of coming back from the ankle, missing practice on Wednesday and Thursday probably hurts those chances. The Giants also have a, a bye next week. So at this point, and you know, we'll see tomorrow on Friday, but at this point, I think it's going to be another Devontae Booker game and Barkley's probably back after the bye week. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if Barkley does make it back and he's active for the game, then he's probably a top 12 running back play this week because it has to mean that the Giants believe he's okay to play, to not uh, give him another week with the bye on the other end. That said, don't head into the weekend expecting Barkley to be in your lineup. Correct. And if Barkley is out, I think Devontae Booker is a pretty solid RB2. That's kind of how he's produced so far. And the Raiders are 28th in adjusted points allowed to running backs. Wide receiver Sterling Shepard seems likely to miss this game with his quad injury. Kenny Galladay was still not back as of Wednesday. He probably wasn't back Thursday, right? He actually returned to a limited practice on Good Thursday. Job. So gives him a chance. He's been out so long, though. And again, with the bye coming up, I kind of don't expect him to play still. Um, Dante Pettis is hurt now. So I think it's going to be Darius Tony, Darius Slayton, and John Ross as your top three Giants wide receivers on Sunday. And <laughs> top is used very loosely there. The whole situation, though, I mean, Kadarius Tony's got the thumb that he hurt Monday night. He was limited yeah. Wednesday, but doesn't seem like it should be an issue. He returned to that game. So he carries the high target ceiling that he had in that Dallas game a few weeks back and makes him an attractive PPR option this week. Definitely. I mean, it it feels a bit risky because like every game he's been heavily involved. He's gotten banged up in some way. And I don't know if how big concerning the ankle still is. Um, but yeah, the, the upside is big with all these injuries and the matchups, obviously fine. And it's also worth noting that Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram seem like they're just not going to become a thing no matter who's in or out of the game. It's Jason Garrett just doesn't want to get them involved. It seems like actually Darius Slayton got some chances. Evan Ingram is not getting any chance. You might be tall and fast, but you don't have a spot in this offense, pal. And we can throw a whole bunch of red zone targets at Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> yes, uh, Slayton had nine targets two weeks ago. He was down just two on Monday night. Um, so he, he's going to be your second giant receiver in, but um, you know, not, not, a, not a comfortable play. Yeah, I feel bad for you if in week nine of fantasy, you're like, I need a Giants receiver that's not Kadarius <laughs> Tony. Who I got? Who am I going to get here? It's tough out there. Some some people might. It is. On the Raiders side, no injury issues of note, which is a <laughs> good thing considering how the offense headed into the bye week. Josh Jacobs left the win over Philly with a chest injury, not on the injury report this week. Darren Waller, of course, missed that game with an ankle injury, not on the injury report this week. So we should be good to go with Jacobs and Waller for this game. We should be. Um, I mean, Waller's been fine. You hit the blow up week one. He's kind of been disappointing relative to expectations since then. But, you know, he, he's still second among tight ends and expected fantasy points per game on the season. He's sixth over the last four weeks. They're starting Darren Waller, obviously. Josh Jacobs, you know, he's basically had three healthy games this season. He's averaged 15 carries and 3.7 targets in those three games. And the Giants are 24th in adjusted points allowed to running backs you have the Raiders as slight favorites here which always helps Jacobs so I think he's in the running back two mix this week yeah I mean if he gets a few more opportunities he might become Chuba Hubbard uh Henry Ruggs departure of course leaves extra targets available can only help Darren Waller's outlook not that he really needed help can only help Hunter Renfro who also hasn't needed help for targets but also probably helps Brian Edwards a little bit I mean we're going to need to see it before believing in Brian Edwards as a fantasy option he's only averaging 4.4 targets per game this season has not reached four receptions in a game since week one but the opportunity is there at least yeah I mean Ruggs leaves behind 5.1 targets per game so it's not a huge number um, you're gonna have Zay Jones be the Ruggs replacement you know he obviously can't do the same things Henry Ruggs could I'm not convinced Brian Edwards role is going to change a whole lot so he's still, you know, maybe you add him you stash him see what happens. I wouldn't use him this week. I do think Hunter Renfro is in play though as a lower end PPR option. He's been a top uh, 35 PPR wide receiver in four of his last five games now. So he's, he's been producing. It's only because Hunter Renfro used to steal Jared's lunch money that you're even talking about him like that because he is that kind of option anyway, even regardless yeah. of Henry Ruggs' status. Derek Carr, by the way, takes his ceiling comes down a little bit, 
with no Henry Ruggs, he did have more yards per attempt and a higher touchdown rate on balls thrown to Henry Ruggs than to anyone else, than to everybody else on the Raiders, but not a crazy boost either. It was only a little bit higher, both in touchdown rate and yards per attempt has been solid with everybody else. And Derek Carr has got the best remaining QB schedule according to our strength of schedule algorithm. So I think Derek Carr looks fine this week. I think he's a good player to have rostered for the Mm -hmm. rest of the season, because there are not many weeks where he doesn't look like at least a solid option. Yeah. He's been good. The offense has looked better since Gruden left, left the picture and not to get too much into narratives, but I am a little concerned just how this team responds. You had the Gruden thing, then the rugs thing. You know, it's just slight concern for me. The giants past the, at least by the numbers actually has been decent too. They're 11th in football outsiders past the DVOA. They're 14th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. I, I was kind of going back and forth. Carson Wentz versus Derek Carr as a spot starter this week. I, I would lean Wentz now with the rug situation. You know, you have a better matchup for Carson Wentz. So I'd, I'd go there if you're, if you happen to be deciding between those two guys. Yeah. I think Derek Carr is a safer player. Carson Wentz between them is the guy who could implode, but I think that Wentz also has the higher ceiling. So I would yeah. probably lean that way as well. If I'm making that decision right now, uh, I wouldn't drop Derek Carr to go get Carson Wentz though, especially with the, the upcoming schedule, this Agreed. matchup with the giants, you know, by adjusted fantasy points allowed, yeah. it's a slightly negative, but this basically neutral matchup is one of the worst remaining on Derek Carr's schedule. Yeah, schedule is great. Minnesota at Baltimore Ravens by five and a half over under a 49 and a half. Last time we saw the Ravens, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase were torching them for 400 yards passing, 200 yards receiving respectively. I'm not going to predict more of that, but my takeaway is to not be scared at, at all by this matchup for, you know, kind of the key Vikings pass catchers. Yeah. I dug into the Ravens D a bit just cause just in my head, like I, they seem, they have seemed so volatile this year. They've had some great games, some horrible games, you know, basically they, they limited Detroit, Denver, and then the Chargers. So they, they limited one good offense they gave up big games to Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, Carson Wentz, and Joe Burrow. I think Cousins is closer to that group than the you know Jared Goff, Teddy Bridgewater group. The other note here, we know the Ravens are a blitz-heavy defense. Cousins has Cousins has the third best PFF passing grade when blitzed this season. So you know we set, talked about that with Burrow a couple weeks ago, and he had a big game. You know, Cous- it could be the same case for Cousins here. So I think he's an okay spot starter, and I definitely like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen this week. Yeah, and you might say, yeah, Kirk Cousins doesn't have Jamar Chase, but he's one of the few quarterbacks that has, you know, his own Jamar Chase. I don't know if Justin Jefferson is at the same level. I might might not be quite there, but certainly as close as just about any other receiver in the league. So a solid spot for Kirk Cousins. Uh, neutral matchup, by the way, by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So certainly not one that should turn you completely away. The kind of sneaky Viking here is Tyler Conklin. Baltimore has been the sixth most friendly tight end matchup by our adjusted points allowed. They've allowed the most PPR points per game to the position. And that has included over the past two weeks, not past two weeks, but past two games, because they're coming off the bye. Touchdowns to Jared Cook. And of course, double touchdowns to (laughs) CJ Uzama. Right. Baltimore opened the season with Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, those guys just did what they're supposed to do. But they have struggled even since then against tight ends. Uh, Football Outsiders has them 22nd in tight end coverage. So Conklin, one of the better spot start options at tight end this week. I, I think that, I think this game has shootout potential too. So I kind of like using um, fringe pieces from this game. 
I agree. And the matchup makes sense because Baltimore's weakest spot has been inside linebacker and they're just kind of okay at safety. So it, it makes sense for them to uh, have some issues with tight end coverage on the Baltimore side. It's nice to have Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown back from by. They're all fairly easy starters at their varying levels. Rashad Bateman, six targets in each of his first two games is nice. I don't think it quite gets him to the point where he's a comfy starter in most cases, though, or even all that attractive. Yeah, not not comfortable. Um, I do think he's in play this week. We, we have to keep an eye on Sammy Watkins, who it sound, sounds like he was back at practice today. I haven't seen his participation level yet. He was out on Wednesday, um, back on the field Thursday. If he plays, that had me shying away from Bateman a bit, just not knowing how Watkins and Bateman are going to come out playing time-wise. But if, if Watkins is out, you know, I, I think six targets in both of Bateman's first two NFL games after missing that much time is pretty encouraging. His route rates were in like the mid-60s in both of those games. I think coming out of the bye, he might be ready to, you know, bump that up you know, closer to a full-time player. So I I kind of like Bateman as a wide receiver three if Watkins is out. If Watkins is back, I, w- I would just try to avoid the Ravens wide receivers out- outside of Marquise Brown. I'll say he's an attractive wide receiver four with maybe Jamal Agnew upside. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and then that backfield, Latavius Murray was still not practicing Wednesday despite coming off the bye. I, have you seen what he did Thursday, if anything? Yeah, he didn't practice Thursday either. And I know Dr. Chow said when he suffered the injury that he thought it was a high ankle sprain. And it's only been, I think, uh, two and a half weeks now since the injury. So I don't think he's going to play. I still don't want to use any of these Ravens running backs. It's a three-way committee. You know, Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, and Tyson Williams were all, you know, pretty equal as far as snaps go last time out. Um, If you have to pick one, it's Devontae Freeman. But again, better off avoiding it. Yeah, I mean, if you have to pick one, it's basically a blind dart throw because that's what it was before. It could be something different coming out of the bye. We're all guessing it. The, the, the way to play it is to take none of them if possible. I would play Devin Singletary over any of these guys. Me too. Cleveland at Cincinnati. Bengals by two and a half over under 47. Odell Beckham has made himself, well, maybe not himself. Maybe his dad made him the big story here this week. Been excused from practice Wednesday and Thursday. Maybe he'll be excused from the team soon. It certainly seems like we shouldn't count on him playing, although there's something out there about him still planning to play. We'll see. It's a situation to monitor because it might be financially unreasonable for Cleveland to dump him this week. It's at least easier not to be like waiting breathlessly for this story to resolve in fantasy terms because he's only had two even usable games all year for fantasy. Yes, I hope he ends up somewhere else just to see if it can kind of get him going, but he, he's, you know, he's off the radar now. I don't think he's going to play this week. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones looks like he's ready to return from the groin injury. You know, if, if Beckham's out of the picture, it's going to be Jarvis Landry, DPJ and Richard Higgins as the top three wide receivers for Cleveland the rest of the way. DPJ an intriguing stash. I wouldn't use him this week. Um, wouldn't use Higgins this week. Jarvis Landry though, he has a 26% target share across his three healthy games this season. And, you know, those came with Odell Beckham. So he, he should be a good target bet the rest of the way. Um, Cincinnati 24th and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So I, I think Landry is, is a pretty solid wide receiver three play this week. Maybe even, you know, creeping into wide receiver two territory. Yeah. Landry also saw 26% target share last year after Odell Beckham went down, including the two playoff games. So that's a good level for him to be at. He's always been a guy who needed the volume. You know, we'll see how much they throw, but this seems like a matchup that could drive some passing volume with the way Cincinnati's been scoring lately. So yeah, I agree. I like Jarvis Landry in that range. I would certainly play him over, you know, Rashad Bateman. If you're looking for guys in that level, I would play Jarvis Landry over Emmanuel Sanders as well. That one's closer. I'd go Landry and PPR for sure. Uh, Kind of a toss up and none. 
On the Cincinnati side, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase are obvious. Joe Burrow comfortably inside the top 12, bordering on obvious among quarterbacks at this point. Three straight games of three touchdown passes through six touchdown passes last year in the two meetings with Cleveland. High passing volume in those two games, 108 attempts in just those two games. But they've been leaning a bit more past this year. He, of course, has the upgrade in Jamar Chase. So feeling pretty good about starting Joe Burrow this week. Yeah, Cincinnati 10th in situation neutral pass rate over the last four weeks now. So we, we, we had talked about it. They, they've kind of completed the transformation now, you know, back to being a pass-leaning offense. The Browns look like a pass-funnel defense. Football Outsiders has them third against the run, but 25th against the pass. Um, so I, I do expect a pass-leaning, maybe pass-heavy game plan from Cincinnati here. Um, so I like Burrow, like Chase. T. Higgins ha- has the exact same – amount of targets as Jamar Chase over the last four weeks. You know, he's been a bit unlucky, I think. So I think Higgins is an easy start. Tyler Boyd had two big games against Cleveland last year. Uh, seven catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. 11 catches, 101 yards and a touchdown. That obviously came without T. Higgins. You know, Boyd isn't playing as big a role this year. Um, but I, I do think he's in play this week. Um, Cleveland has allowed the 10th most fantasy points to slot wide receivers this season. So they've struggled against that position. Um, So I I think Boyd's a decent play this week coming off one of his better games of the season. He's caught five plus balls in five straight meetings with Cleveland. Obviously there have been changes to the, the Cincinnati offense in that time frame that makes him lower on the totem pole. But you know, you mentioned it's a good matchup. It can only help the matchup for him. If Cleveland's top corner Denzel Ward returns to play outside. So we'll keep an eye on that situation. And I agree on T Higgins. He's 40th among wideouts in PPR points per game tied for 25th in that group in targets at this point though. So he is, I, I think he's a buy at this point. I think he's a pretty yeah. easy start this week and I, I'm interested to see where it goes with him. Agreed. Denver at Dallas Cowboys by 10 up one and a half because we're all expecting Dak Prescott to return over under a 49 and a half on the Denver side. First though, Noah Fant out of course on the COVID list that makes Albert Oakwig Buna a solid starter. The talent upside is there. You know, it's kind of tough to know what the numbers will be because we haven't seen him as the lead tight end at any point in his, you know, brief NFL career to this point. But Broncos have the fourth most tight end receptions this year. They had the fourth most tight end receptions last year, and their tight ends collectively had 27% of the targets last week in Jerry Judy's return game. Right. Noah Fant averaged eight targets per game without Albert O this season so, you know that that's kind of the upside for Albert I'm not saying he's getting eight targets um but he I mean he, he's a he's an exciting pass catching tight end you know big big time size speed you know plus athlete Dallas is actually 32nd in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings and they're 23rd in adjusted points allowed to tight end so you know excited to use Albert O and DFS this week and I do think he is a you know spot start option in season long assuming Fant is out, you know, Fant, I, it sounds like he does have a chance to be clear in time for Sunday, but it seems unlikely at this point. Yeah. I've picked up Albert O in a couple of places to play him in season long. So at this point, I'm kind of hoping that Noah Fant is out this week, although I'm starting him. In, Fant, so it's a win-win. Yeah. I'm starting him in main event. I have Hawkinson on by, so I picked up Albert O. He's my guy this week. <laughs> nice. Jerry Judy tied for the team lead with four targets last week, caught all four of them. So it's nice. Third among wide receivers in snap 72% share for that game. Tim Patrick led the group. Three catches or fewer in three straight games for Tim Patrick, though. I would think that we get more Jerry Judy this week, but, yeah. you know, we'll see to confirm that. Yeah, I would expect that, too. Denver only threw the ball 26 times last week in that, you know, sloppy game against Washington. The, the pass volume should be up quite a bit this week, you know, as, as big underdogs 
in Dallas. Hopefully, it, Judy looked good to me last week. He didn't suffer a setback. I, I think the playing time is going to be up. I, I think Judy and Cortland Sutton are, are fine plays this week again in, in what should be a high-scoring game where Denver's going to have to throw it quite a bit. And there's been no change to the split backfield. It's still split. It's still yep. guess who's going to get uh, a few more targets and guess who's going to get touchdown opportunities. Yeah, I, I think both guys are RB3s. On the Dallas side, Dak Prescott back to a full practice Thursday, so he should be good to go. Obviously, keep an eye to confirm that. Michael Gallup's practicing, but not yet back on the active roster. Mike McCarthy said Thursday morning that they want to see a full practice week from Michael Gallup and then evaluate things to see if he's ready for that game. So we'll see about Michael Gallup. CeeDee Lamb we'll also see about because he sprained an ankle in Wednesday's practice. Can we ever get this offense like fully healthy? It's I, I don't think it's been fully healthy since like lamb arrives. Has it like between like the wide receivers and the old line and Dak? Um, yeah. And lamb officially did not practice on Thursday. Um, there was some video of him doing some like resistance band stuff with trainers. And one of the beat writers said they still expect him to play. We'll have to check back on him on Friday. I think that, you know, that's when Gallup would become an option this week. If CD lamb's out and Gallup is in otherwise I wouldn't use Gallup this week. We'll, we'll see too. What happens to Dalton Schultz's, volume when all three of these wide receivers are healthy. I do think it's going to take a hit. I don't think it's going to knock him out of, you know, tight end one territory because the offense is so good. He's been so good. Um, but I, I do think it's probably going to impact Alton Schultz's volume. With how much they like to run the ball. I can certainly see that happen. And six of seven games have landed him in the six to eight target range this year. So, uh, you know, I think if he loses some, we're talking about a couple of targets a game. Maybe there might be just a few games mixed in where he's down, but Certainly somebody who's probably still going to be in the top 12 mix for us. And certainly somebody I'm using uh, this week, even though he's coming off just a two catch game against Minnesota, still got seven targets in that game. So I was still seeing the usage. And unfortunately it was from Cooper rush. Exactly. Houston at Miami dolphins by six and a half over under 45 and a half, even against Miami. I think we can skip all but Brandon cooks on the Houston side. We will see though, whether Tyrod Taylor's return makes any difference for anyone's outlook on this team. I think the offense will be better, and I think it, it just helps Brandon Cooks. And I think Tyrod in two quarterback superflex leagues could be an option. Um, you know, with the rushing ability, passing volume is going to be up because Houston's playing from behind all the time. But yeah, it's 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 just Brandon Cooks. Um, I, I think Tyrod helps the Dolphins outlook too, though. Just the chance this game stays closer and kind of you know keeps Miami playing. We'll see the backfield. If you're wondering what was going to happen after Mark Ingram left the bat, the answer is they're going to just give the ball to whoever shows up. Touches were spread among four running backs still in that game. After Mark Ingram left Rex Burkhead sitting up out of the coffin, undertaker style, jumping back into the mix. Uh, don't play a Texans running back. If you can help it. Yeah. David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, you know, the two guys, we thought would kind of be the leaders. They finished third and fourth in snaps. It was, it was Rex Burkhead first and Scotty Phillips second. So yeah, he's Houston's just messing with us at this point. <laughs> Scotty Phillips. That's I, I'm still not convinced that's a real player <laughs> um, on the Miami side. It's a week to just play whatever you want. If you're wondering about a Miami player, go ahead and play him. Cause he has a chance to do some stuff. Devonte Parker reemerged last week after three games down for injury season highs and targets catches and yards, but he's been good when healthy he's wide receiver 37 in PPR points per game, but only has one touchdown. There's only two other guys ahead of him in those rankings that just have one touchdown like he does. Yeah, Parker has seven targets in all five of his games. Um, he's 16th among wide receivers and targets per game. He's 25th in our expected fantasy points per game. So um, good matchup against Houston here. Houston 14th in adjusted points allowed. 
two wide receivers. They've, they have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to outside wide receivers, though, which is obviously where Parker plays. And, you know, with, with the volume, um, I think he's like a you know, borderline wide receiver two this week and definitely someone I'll be considering in DFS. Yeah. And I mean, I think anybody else that you're considering on the Miami yeah. offense is in play. Yeah, Parker's return does hurt Waddle and Gasicki's target volume, but in this matchup, it doesn't matter. I think they're they're both nice starters. Yeah. On do you want to talk about Miles Gaskin or should we move on to the next game? No, he's 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 a good play. I mean, again, don't expect 20 carries, but 12 to 15 carries and a handful of targets against the Texans. He's a nice play. LA Chargers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Chargers by one in this one, down one from where it opened, over under 50 points. Justin Herbert started out the season excellent. Past couple times he took the field, 54% completion rate combined between those outings against Baltimore and then the Patriots. 5.65 yards per pass attempt over those two games. Just three touchdowns versus three interceptions in those contests. Yeah, de- I mean, d- definitely a concern. Um, you know, it's it's Baltimore, who again has been up and down, but you know, I think there's still talent there. It's a good scheme. And then Bill Belichick, who you know has limited plenty of quarterbacks throughout his career. Philly's been good against the pass. Uh, Football Outsiders has them 12th. In past, either third in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks, but it's not it's not a team I'm running away from matchup wise. Um, Herbert does have that right hand injury. He was limited Wednesday, but he was a full go on Thursday, so that seems like a, a minor concern, probably a non concern. We'll see how he's listed on the final injury report. Um, you know, he's lower than usual in our rankings, but I, I think if if Herbert's been your starter all season, I would stick with him this week. I wouldn't be you know playing Carson Wentz or Kirk Cousins over him. Yeah, I wouldn't go nuts. I wouldn't go reaching for a quarterback to play over him. I would play Joe Burrow or Taysom Hill over him, who are, you know, realistic guys that could be on the same roster. Derek Carr is kind of a either way. I think Derek Carr probably has a higher floor. I would go for Justin Herbert ceiling. And I mean, if I had the decision, I, I would have to tell myself ultimately, I really have no idea. And it's going to depend on who happens to throw three touchdowns in their game. Yeah, Burrow and Hill for me, that, that'd kind of be it for the guys I'd use over Herbert this week. And I'm not changing my outlook for Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, or Mike Williams, despite last week's disappointment. No, this this um, Eagles defense, they they keep everything in front of them. And if you look at the numbers, they are 32nd in completion rate allowed to quarterbacks this season. They're 10th in yards per catch allowed. So they're, they're just allowing a lot of short catches. That, that to me says Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen are going to have big games here. Uh, Michael Williams is going to be fine too, because he's done more of the shorter stuff this season. But to me, you know, th- this sets up as a good you know defensive matchup for guys like Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Yeah, especially with the crap that the Eagles are rolling out at linebacker. It's a positive matchup for Jared Cook, but I, his role is just limited to the point where it could be a good matchup and he could just see five targets and catch three of them and just not do a whole lot. Or he could score a touchdown and, and yeah. you could be in luck. Yeah, kind of in the Hunter Henry touchdown or bust mold. I, I was wondering how if Donald Parham's role would, would climb coming out of the bye. It actually went in the opposite direction. Cook kind of separated himself as far as pass routes go versus Parham. So that that you know makes him a safer bet if you need to use him. Yeah, I like that at least. I would play Jared Cook over Hunter Henry if I were making that decision, but I would play Tyler Conklin and Albert O over Jared Cook. Yeah, I think I would too. On the Philly side, it's same as usual. I mean, Jalen Hurts obviously let you down fantasy-wise last week, but we, there's not really a takeaway from it. I mean, there's not going to be another game this year where he throws 14 passes, leaves at the beginning of the fourth quarter because they're winning by so much, and his team runs the ball in 74% of offensive plays. It's just, we're not going to get that game flow again. So don't worry about it too much. I guess if there's anything to take away, just know that he's not actually going to give you all the points every week. <laughs> Right, and th- this passing matchup is is tough. 
the Chargers fourth in football outsiders pass the second and adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks, but the Chargers are 32nd in football outsiders run defense ranking. So, you know, for a guy like Hertz, that might actually help his fantasy outlook if the Eagles go run heavier and, you know, he's, he's a big part of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely starting Hertz without hesitation this week. What would really help his fantasy outlook though, is if the other team actually scores first in this game and then sets up some garbage time in the second half, which is where he shines. I think you might get that this week. <laughs> if he keeps going like he has for most of the season by scoring in garbage time, we'll have to call him Oscar for the second half. <laughs> for the Eagles backfield, obviously we were all hoping for Kenneth Gainwell, maybe not hoping, but expecting <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell to be the top touch getter. The opposite direction. I mean, I can understand it being a committee, but it wasn't even a committee. It was Boston Scott leading things. Then it was some Jordan Howard and Kenneth Gainwell basically disappeared until the team had pulled starters in the fourth quarter. Kenneth Gainwell got 12 of his 13 carries in the fourth quarter after Gardner Minshew entered that game at halftime. It was nine carries for Boston Scott to four for Howard and one for Gainwell. Yeah, I think I think Gainwell's role just did not change with Miles Sanders out. He is still like the pass catching back, the come from behind back, and Philly played this entire game with the lead. So that just that just meant, you know, no Kenneth Gainwell. And that it, that could definitely change this week. You know, Philly could be playing from behind for most of this game. Um, and the ma- the matchup's good for the entire backfield. So we've talked about the Chargers defense plenty. Um, dead last in football outsiders run D. 23rd in adjusted points allowed to running backs and teams have been choosing to go run heavy against the chargers. Um, Boston Scott for me is, is the top play in this backfield still though. Um, I, th- I think he's the best carry bat. Gainwell has some appeal in PPR leagues, but again, you, you see, you see the floor last week if the Eagles find themselves playing from ahead again. Yeah. And you mentioned it's a positive rushing matchup. So even if they don't, even if they you know do fall behind, they're still going to want to run the ball and, they showed us in the game that Ma- that Miles Sanders left. It wasn't just a plan heading into last week. When Miles Sanders right. went down, Boston Scott came in and split things. So they're not going to make Kenneth Gainwell the lead back, regardless of what's going on. Maybe he has a J.D. McKissick game. But, you know, this is just a reminder of why we don't want to overrate the whole handcuff angle, because we're not going to know. <laughs> a lot of times we're just going to have to wait and see what happens when the starter goes down. The, the, most of these situations are just unclear heading in. Yeah. And, and, and Gainwell profiled as a change of pace back coming into the league. You know, he's undersized. He, he was, you know, never a workhorse in college, did a lot in the past game. That's just the kind of back he is. So I'm, I'm a little mad at myself for, I think, overrating kind of Gainwell last week. There are plenty of people mad about that one. I at least didn't put a whole lot of stock or money into it. So I'm not too upset. Dallas Goddard, by the way, had a nice week, even though they didn't throw the ball a whole lot. He drew half of Jalen Hurts' 14 pass attempts in that one, so you have to like his usage going forward. Yeah, he, he's a buy if you can still get him because the production has not been huge since the Earth trade, but the usage as far as you know, playing time and route rate, all that has been all you could ask for since Earths has been dealt to Arizona. This could be the breakout week for, for Goddard because the Chargers are top nine against all three wide receiver spots and running backs in Football Outsiders coverage DVOA. They're 30th against tight end. So that's clearly the weak spot of this pass defense. I think Goddard should be featured in this passing game. Um, so, you know, try to buy him now in season long and play Goddard in DFS this week. One thing that was interesting last week was Dallas Goddard lined up almost exclusively in line, like that traditional tight end spot as opposed to out in the slot, which is where he spent more than half of his snaps in previous games. Now, that might have just been... Uh, a function of the way that game went mostly running playing from ahead the whole time and that's just where he was lined up so he could either run block or run out for a pass one game doesn't mean it's changed I'll be curious to see 
if this coming week is more like all of the previous games or if it's shifting toward what it was last week, something to watch, not something to change the expectation for on him now. And I mean, he's going to be running a lot of routes either way and getting targets either way. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it makes sense. He has to play more traditional tight end with Ertz gone. But again, like you said, as long as he's running pass routes, I'm not too concerned about where he's running them from. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if he gets more targets from that inline spot than he does from the slot, then I would rather have him doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Devontae Smith, I, we kind of have to mention him, but I don't know if I have anything different to say about him every week. I mean, he's a wide receiver <laughs> for maybe it's going to be good sometimes. There have been three games that I would say are the kind of games you don't want to miss in your lineup, but he's also had four games that are games you would really like to avoid. So, I mean, at best, it's like he might help you. He might really hurt you. Yeah, and I think this is more likely to be a hurt you week. Uh, the Chargers are first in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. Again, the Chargers are really good against wide receivers, not good against tight ends, and not good against the running game. So, yeah, not a special week for Devontae Smith, I think. Arizona at San Francisco, the Cardinals by one down one and a half. Well, that'll probably change heading into the weekend, depending on Kyler Murray's status, because we're watching his ankle to see if he's going to be able to play. Didn't practice Thursday, did he? Didn't practice Thursday. Cliff Kingsbury has said that Kyler can play without practicing, but I don't think he's a lock to play. Um, Jay Glazer reported last Sunday that this is a one to three week ankle injury. Um, so if he does play, he's not going to be hundred percent. He's not going to have the rushing ability, which honestly, he hasn't been running a whole lot this year anyways. Um, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's still not good to have your, you know, mobile quarterback out there with a the gimpy ankle. So we'll see, um, beyond that, you have Deandre Hopkins with the hamstring. He hasn't practiced yet this week and AJ green is on the COVID list as of now. So lots of moving parts in this Cardinals offense. And considering that when they matched up with San Francisco earlier this year, we had a healthy Kyler Murray and just 27 total points in that game. It's going to be a week to seriously consider playing another quarterback over Kyler Murray, even if he's active for that game, depending on who you have. It stinks that we don't have the option of playing Carson Wentz. Well, I mean, you do have that option if you're just don't want to wait and see on Kyler Murray. But, you know, that's what one of the things I hate about Thursday night football. But it could be I mean, I'm probably playing Taysom Hill over him. It might be tough for me to play Kyler over Kirk Cousins. Again, we'll watch the ankle and see where we're at over the weekend. But I think that's the level where you really have to think about it. Yeah, you know, in in most cases, unless it's Wentz versus Kyler, you can obviously wait. Um, man, if, if Wentz was my backup, that'd be a tough call. It would depend, like, who else is available on the waiver wire in case Kyler ends up not playing. Again, I don't think it's a lock he plays in this game. Yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I would, you know, probably at this point lean towards guys like Burrow and Taysom Hill at least over – Kyler, I'm not sure I'd go down to like the Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins tier, but you know we'll, we'll see what we hear over the next few days here. Yeah, I'll try to gauge that Saturday and Sunday. I, I This isn't a game that I think is going to have a whole lot of points, though, so I'm not even sure we're going to miss out on ceiling here, but we'll see. Um, elsewhere on the Arizona offense, you know, you mentioned some other issues to watch. We did get on the positive side the Chase Edmonds touchdown last week that you called for. <laughs> Yeah, it was like like a wildcat play too, right? Um, yeah, I was I was I was pumped when that came. Um, yeah, I mean, same deal with Edmonds. He, his usage remains strong. He, you can't count on him for touchdowns because Connor's getting those carries. But Edmonds is gonna find the end zone, just you know, getting as many touches as he is. Um, he he did re-injure his shoulder in that Thursday night game. He ended up coming back in. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. He's gonna play, but you know, just something to keep an eye on. 
I'm just happy to find out that he knows where the end zone is on the 49ers side. Debo Samuel did not practice Wednesday with a calf issue. It doesn't seem like it's overly serious, but we'll have to watch him. Elijah Mitchell did not practice Wednesday with a rib issue. Sounds like that's something we're going to have to watch. I believe Matt Barrows too said that Trey Sermon would be the starter. If Elijah Mitchell can't go for this game. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to you know wait, wait to, to see it. The Niners beers have been wrong about that before. Um, Mitchell and Debo were both limited on Thursday. So I do think they're both going to play. Debo has obviously been awesome. Um, you're, you're starting him. Eli Mitchell's really been awesome too when he, he's been healthy. Um, clear lead ball carrier for San Francisco. Not doing hardly anything in the passing game, which hurts. But, you know, any, any back in this Shanahan running scheme getting 15-plus touches is, is definitely a fantasy starter. Yeah, he's Damian Harris. Uh, same yeah. thing, really. And George Kittle looks like he should be back this week. Yeah, it, it, he's back at practice. I think you're starting him if he's back. Brandon Ayuk coming off his his best usage of the season, 88% of the snaps, 25% target share. Maybe snag him if he was dropped in your league, see what happens. But, I mean, Kittle coming back kind of, you know, to me dampens any enthusiasm for Ayuk just because he's kind of back to where we thought he'd be preseason as, you know, maybe the third option in this, in this run-heavy offense. Yeah, if you have somebody that you were going to drop for Adrian Peterson or whatever, somebody that you didn't win in waivers this week, that's just expendable. I think it's worth dropping them for Brandon Ayuk just to see what happens because, uh, you know, we didn't even get a full look at the offense last year. So we don't really know what it looks like with a healthy Debo, with a well-performing Ayuk and with the healthy George Kittle. So I think that there's at least talent worth taking a shot on if you have a roster spot to play with. And Kyle Shanahan said that they've been waiting for uh, the bounce back from Brandon Ayuk. So it's not like they don't believe in him. They just don't like what they've seen from him so far this year. So definitely an interesting guy still. Yep. Green Bay at Kansas city chiefs by seven and a half. That's of course up five from where it was at the open because of a very key guy missing over under 48 and a half down seven. I mean, nothing besides Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones for me on the Packers side with Aaron Rodgers on the COVID list. I think AJ Dillon is in play because I think Green Bay is going to go basically as run heavy as they can. I mean, until they get down multiple scores and they might not if Kansas city's offense keeps struggling. So, I mean, Dylan had, what do you have? 16, uh, yeah, 16 carries last week, you know, with no Devonte Adams, he, he could, I think get close to that number this week. And the matchup is obviously good against Kansas city. So I think he's like an RB three. Yeah. Adams. I mean, no, we downgrade him to like low end wide receiver one status with the quarterback change. Adams played, eight games that Rodgers missed all or most of back in 2017. That was with Brett Hundley at quarterback. He scored as the PPR wide receiver 12 over those eight games. So he was not elite, but he was still a low end wide receiver one. So you're starting Devontae Adams. Yeah. we'll certainly take that with a quarterback who has never been very good in Brett Hundley. Um, I, I probably sound a little bougie acting like I don't have to consider whether to start AJ Dillon. I'm up here with the true running backs. I don't care about the, the scraps you're yeah you're a known dylan hater so no surprise there <laughs> that's for sure i don't hate him anymore though because everybody got excited about him and pushed him too far up and then everybody started hating him again uh early in the year when he didn't do anything so now i'm back on his side he's well, good man. On his side. I, I never started on his side now i'm now i'm on his side he's he, he's good i mean I don't, I don't know if something ever happened to aaron jones dylan would be a, a fantasy monster He's fun to watch, at least, because he, I like when he was backing for the first down through uh, Arizona's defense on Thursday night. That was fun. He's, yeah, he's, he's a monster. On the KC side, maybe we get some more rushing volume from this one against the number 30 defense in rushing DVOA from Kansas City. 
Packers are also the mid pack and pass defense. So, I mean, Kansas city is going to do what it wants to do. We'll see whether it succeeds in doing what it wants to do this week. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, to me, last week was the most worrisome performance yet out of Kansas. I, I even thought they looked better against Tennessee. They just had more turnovers against Tennessee. They, they didn't even look good minus the turnovers against the Giants to me. You're still starting Mahomes and, and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. You're start, still starting Daryl Williams. I know the Derek Gore stuff was kind of frustrating. Even watching the game, it seemed like he played more than he actually did, but he only played 20% of the snaps. Darrell Williams played 64% of the snaps. Darrell Williams ran her out on 67% of the pass plays. Darrell Williams got 13 carries and six targets. Like, you give me that volume on, on this offense, which is still a top five offense. Like, I still think it's a top five offense. Um, you know, Williams, for me, is a pretty easy fantasy starter this week. I, I think it seemed like more because it almost all came at once. There was one drive where Derek Gore just took over. He got seven of his 11 carries on that drive, finished it off with the touchdown. And then shortly thereafter, everybody's like, God, is this game still going? We just kind of forgot about yeah. the rest of it. But Daryl Williams caught a bunch of passes. I agree. You know, I came out of the game like, oh, do I need to worry about Derek Gore? And then look at the numbers afterward. And it's like, nah, I don't really need to. And yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe his role grows. But at minimum, Daryl Williams is, is locked in as the pass catching back here, which is, you know, c- kind of the most important thing in Kansas City. That plus the, re- plus the goal line stuff. Right. Derek Gore is considerable down at Devin Singletary level, but certainly not somebody that uh, I'm strongly considering using this week. And I'm not worried about Daryl Williams right now. We'll see. Maybe a couple of days from now, I'll, or, you know, three, four days from now, I'll be like, oh, you were talking like an idiot. <laughs> it's always anything, possible. Anything else in that game? Josh Gordon, uh, season high route rate last week, 42%, kind of out of nowhere. Did nothing. I'm, I'm, you know, obviously not starting him. Maybe you, you stash him. Yeah. I I'd still rather stash Brandon Ayuk than Josh Gordon, but, um, at least on my radar after that increase in playing time last week, I'd rather stash Brian Edwards than, uh, Josh Gordon. It's a, he, he's a, he, the only reason we're even talking about him is because he used to be Josh Gordon. <laughs> yeah. I'll, not, I'll never talk bad about Brian Edwards. So that's, that's fine with me. There you go. Tennessee at the Rams on Sunday night, Rams by seven and a half up one point from where it opened and over under a 53 and a half. The post Derrick Henry backfield is obviously the biggest story for this game. Adrian Peterson in my main event league, Jared went for $536 on waivers Two eighty-five was the next highest bid. So, I mean, people throwing as much as they could basically at him. And I expected that I was definitely not in on the bidding. I think this is going to be another case where we're like, okay, Adrian Peterson is the Derrick Henry replacement. And then ultimately realize there's no such thing as a Derrick Henry replacement. No, I mean, if you're expecting Peterson to even get 75% of Henry's volume, you're going to be disappointed. I, I want to believe that the Titans are going to become this like pass heavy offense and Jeremy McNichols is going to be like the main guy as the pass catching back and see like 10 to 12 carries per game. But man, I, I, I could just see like Peterson, again, not getting anything close to Derrick Henry level workload, but getting 15 or so carries per game. And McNichols, I do think he'll play a bigger role and he's going to remain the pass catching back. He's he's going to have value. We'll see. I, mean, I, I think this is a big opportunity for McNichols because I don't think Peterson's going to play a big role in his first game after, you know, not playing or practicing all off season. You know, he signed what on, on Monday. Um, so I think this is a chance for McNichols to kind of um, capitalize on the opportunity. People like to say, look at the actions of the Titans this week. They ran out and signed Adrian Peterson right away after Derrick Henry went down. They also signed Deontay Foreman on the exact same day. Adrian Peterson was on the open market before that. He's on the practice squad right now. So they're not even, I, I don't believe 
he's protected there, but they're not like, Oh my God, we need Adrian Peterson. They signed both of those guys on the same day. Deontay Foreman has played more recently, uh, at least in practice in the NFL and Dontrell Hilliard is also on the practice squad was on the active roster last week. I don't think that we're going to get a lead runner here unless it is Jeremy McNichols. I think it's going to be a committee approach. And the only way that I'm getting some of this post Derrick Henry backfield is if I can get a cheap piece. I got Dontrell Hilliard for seven bucks in the same waiver run that saw Adrian Peterson go for five thirty-six. Now maybe Hilliard does absolutely nothing. I'm not losing anything on that. I dropped Tariq Cohen to get him. Maybe he is involved because he's younger and has, has a good athletic profile. And, you know, anybody in Tennessee who plays running back is capable of, you know, being a hot hand at some point. Yeah. I mean, McNichols is still the guy that intrigues me the most. And I do think he might be the best bet in PPR the rest of the way. The answer might also just be no one in this backfield. And the answer might be Ryan Tannehill, who's, who's going to have to do more. He's going to have to throw it more. Julio Jones is back at practice. Like if he can just get and stay healthy, like he could still be a thing the rest of the way. And AJ Brown is, you know, back to being an easy top 10 wide receiver the rest of the way. He's going to, you know, he's, he's going to probably be, you know, eight to 12 targets per game going forward with the increase in pass volume for the Titans here. Yeah, McNichols would definitely be my top bet in that backfield as well. He's the only one that I'm considering starting this week unless I'm in really bad shape. Plus, we have to wait and see who actually gets elevated to join McNichols on the active roster because it's only him at running back on the current active roster. Yep, that's right. On the Rams side, you're playing everyone as usual. Robert Woods has a foot injury that we're going to need to watch. Do you know if he practiced uh, Thursday? Have not seen their practice report yet. Um, Stafford was limited with a back issue too. It didn't seem like anything serious, but we'll have to keep an eye on those two guys. Um, yeah, they're both easy starters if they're active. Van Jefferson's a guy getting like a ton of hype in the fantasy community this week. I'm not really sure why. Like, I don't know if people are excited about Deshaun Jackson's departure. Deshaun Jackson wasn't hardly playing at all anyways. He wasn't seeing many targets. I don't think his departure does anything for Van Jefferson. Dan Jefferson is 60th among wide receivers and expected fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. He's okay if you need him as a bye week option, but I don't, I don't think he's going to become like his every week fantasy starter. I think he's more like a handcuff. You know, if Woods or Cup misses his time, then Jefferson becomes a weekly fantasy starter. But right now I think he's just kind of like a flyer. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that really makes him make sense as kind of a, a hot name right now. Robert Woods has the foot injury. If Woods is out, then that certainly helps Van Jefferson. But I agree. It's basically McCole Hardman for them. If Robert Woods or Cooper Cup's out, Van Jefferson looks attractive. Otherwise, you know, could he score for you in any given week? Sure. Could he also catch two balls for, you know, 23 yards? Yes. Yep, exactly. Uh, anything else from that game? I'm glad uh, Tyler Higby's off the main DFS slate so I can, you know, stop chasing him. Um, he's he's kind of like breaking my brain, just being on the field so much for such a good passing game, but he's just not, it's not turning into fantasy points. Yeah, it's frustrating, but at least he's not totally letting you down uh, and offering nothing. Yep. On to Chicago and Pittsburgh on Monday night to close that out. Steelers by six and a half over under a 40. I love the game from Justin Fields last week, even though it happened on my bench behind Teddy Bridgewater and Daniel Jones in a two quarterback league. That said, I absolutely need to see it again before I'm believing in it and considering using Justin Fields in any real capacity this week. Certainly not taking that chance against TJ Watt. Yeah, Matt Nagy's back this week too, which evidently is, is bad news for Justin. You know, we should have maybe put some stock into that. You know, Nagy out of the way. Maybe this is Fields' breakout game, but. He's back this week, so you know we'll we'll see. But yeah, um, the, you know the Pittsburgh, we we saw what a good pass rush could do to Fields in that Tampa game. 
And, you know, Pittsburgh's is just as good, if not better. Um, so on the road in prime time, I, I'd, um, I would, I would, I would want to see it from fields one more week too, before using them. You think uh, Matt Nagy, I almost called him Adam Gase. You think Matt Nagy has <laughs> a Justin Fields voodoo doll like hidden away? He just like bends the leg if Justin Fields is about to get away from the defense. That's, that sounds like something Matt Nagy would do. <laughs> David Montgomery designated to return from IR this week, but we're going to have to wait and see whether he's actually ready to return to game action. Yeah, Nagy, speaking of Nagy, he did say today that Montgomery's still the lead back when he's healthy. Um, and one of the beat writers said that he expects Montgomery to, to play on Monday, but like be like limited, like play a little, I think was how he termed it. Um, hopefully that's not the case. Like just the, the bears have a bye next week. So uh, hopefully they, they let Montgomery get healthy, bring him back in week 11. Um, you know, Cleo Herbert, horrible matchup against Pittsburgh, but you know, he, he'd still be a, a low end fantasy starter because the volume, if Montgomery's out, if Montgomery's back, um, the backfield would kind of be one. I just want to stay away from. I wish that beat writers would do less of, I think this guy is going to do this. And, you know, just more of like you eat. If the, if a coach says something or even if a player says something, say, yeah. this is what the guy said. And otherwise be like, I don't know. I'm guessing just like you guys are. It's tough. Like, I, I want the insight from these guys who are around this team every day. Um, and, and, I, and honestly, some of them are a lot better than others. And I, I, I should, you know, start making a, a list of, you know, the beat writers we can kind of trust and the ones we can't. I don't know. I, I don't I don't mind it as much. We do have to be careful, you know, what you mm-hmm. what you buy into and what you kind of shove aside. Yeah, that's for sure. Just make sure that as you consume it, you know that it's a, a writer's opinion and not a report from the team. Yep. The RBs are really all I'm looking at on the Chicago side, you know, waiting yep. to see what happens with David Montgomery because there's just nothing else to really trust here. Cole Komet did get six targets for the second straight game last week, but he also yeah. caught three of them for 24 yards. His next 50 yard game will be his first of the season. Yeah. He's actually 13th among tight ends and expected fantasy points over the last four weeks. Now he's, you know, obviously underperformed that usage because everything in Chicago is, you know, un- underperforming the usage. So yeah, come at emergency only option. You know, I'm starting Conklin over him. I'm starting Jared cook over him. I'm starting the tight end on the other side of this game over Komet pretty easily. And he's only that high because we can't reasonably expect fantasy points from most tight ends. Exactly. On the Pittsburgh side, Chicago has been a neutral matchup for quarterback and wide receiver scoring. So I think Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool are certainly in view at their respective levels with Deontay Johnson first negative for running back scoring, which I don't care about for Najee Harris, terrible for tight end scoring. It would be nice for Pat Fryermuth to be in a better spot. I still will take him and his two straight seven target games though, over guys like Cole Komet. Definitely over Cole Komet. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's right in the mix with the Conklins and the cooks and these other guys we've talked about. Um, yeah. The matchup is tough on paper, but yeah, 19% target share for Fry Muth over the past two weeks. And Eric Ebron remained sidelined on Thursday, which does matter for Fry Muth. So he went from, he, he had the big game before the bye in week six, but he ran her out in just 51% of the pass plays. That was up to 68% with Ebron out last week. So it, it definitely is a boost to Fryermuth if, if Ebron does not play on Monday night. If it's close between Fryermuth and another tight end, and they're both on the wire, you have one rostered, I do think that there is a better chance that Fryermuth stays heavily involved going forward, yes. you know, with short range Ben. So I think I chose him over, I, I don't even remember the decision now, um, but I think that helps him going forward. If you're deciding he's a better chance of being that useful option the rest of the way. Yeah. He, he, Fryermuth and Arnold were the two guys I was grabbing off waiver wires this week. I think they're the two guys with staying power who we know again, could be lower end tight end ones the rest of the way. Yes. I agree with that. Anything else in this game? Nope. 
That's going to do it for this week nine preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. See our full week nine rankings to help you finalize all your lineup decisions. Check the My Teams page to get those customized to fit your league settings. You can also find us anytime in the free DraftSharks Discord. You can find the link to join that in the description for this podcast, wherever you might be consuming it. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for some of the best.